The other thing about this, the second thing I want you to notice about these qualities is that these qualities are all about relationship. Aren't they? They're not about us hiding away somewhere, being isolationists, thinking that we could be more holy if we just didn't associate with those other dirty people that cause all these problems in my life. No, they're about relationship. Not your fulfillment in isolation. In fact, we deny our humanity every time we avoid someone. When you get angry with your children, when you opt for isolation over facing your hurt, when you exploit another human being, or when you give way to bigotry. James 3.9 says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Whenever you curse another person, you are destroying the things you were both created for, God-shaped community. Ultimately, you are cursing the God who made the person, which means you have denied not only another's humanity, but your own as well. Therefore, even when we are sinned against, we are responsible for how we react. This is the only way we can turn back the destructive power of sin in a relationship. Micah 6.8 gives us direction regarding our reactions to sin. He has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. The calls to patience, humility, forgiveness, and gentleness are not calls to passivity. God is calling you to respond. But as He prescribes it, holding grudges, becoming bitter, praying for vengeance and gossiping are not methods God honors. i got to catch up on my notes here. Sorry. So, What's the gift? The gift is grace. The gift is grace. We're instructed here to put on Christ. His character. His character. But, we know in our experiences and in our relationships, I hope you've come to realize, you can't change anyone. You can't change anyone. You have no power. Sometimes we as parents think we do. You know, we'll, sometimes we think, oh, I'll just beat it into them. Maybe they'll get it. No. We might, we might change a behavior, but we can't change the heart, can we? And if we change the behavior without changing the heart, what good is it? It's just conformity. It's useless. We're not saved by works. So even if we did all the right things, we can't get to heaven. What do we need? We need grace. God's gift. And that's what we need here. And this is the gift. 
The gift that we're given. Do you see it? Do you see it in our text? Forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. That binding everything together in perfect harmony literally means to come to maturity. Love brings us to maturity. But this is the gift. Grace. This is what we need. This is what enables us to put on Christ. It's God's gift that we don't deserve. We can't do anything to deserve it because if we did, it wouldn't be a gift and it would be useless. It wouldn't be needed. We need this gift. Every man, woman, and child needs this gift. Only God can change the heart. Only God can bring the power. And He gives the power. In fact, we're promised that we have the power that raised Jesus from the dead. Put him on, to put on his character. Think that's enough power? Think that's enabling? I believe so. I believe it is. But it's a gift. And this gospel message is something we need to live by. We need to look through this lens. We need to see life through this lens. We need to see our relationships through this lens of the gospel, of the gift of grace. As I've said before, grace is not ignoring sin. It's not saying, I'll just ignore that. No, it's payment for the sin. Grace is payment for the sin. And God did that. you for every man woman and child who will receive him who will get into his wheelbarrow god gives that gift you know yelling speaking louder giving an explanation we've all uh, of all we've endured and suffered giving a piece of our mind when is that ever helpful when does has that ever changed a person's heart really But we go there, don't we? And we make a mess of our relationships because we leave this place of grace. We're acting like we deserve better behavior from whoever it is that has wronged us. And do we think that a change of behavior, rehabilitation is really enough? No, a change of heart is needed to bring true change. This only God can do. If you could change someone, even by beating it out of them, Jesus wouldn't have needed to come. The cross was what it took. What we offer in our relationships as ambassadors is not power of personality. It's not threat. It's not manipulation. 
I'm trying to focus on all these messes that are in relationships. What I offer is the good news of a Savior. He's the one who can transform your life. He can change you. He will give you another chance. He will give you new life. Grace for you. Forgiveness for you. Hope for you. Scripture offers a clear hope for our relationships. In His life, death, and resurrection, Jesus brought reconciliation in two fundamental ways. Jesus reconciled us to God, which then becomes the foundation for the way He reconciles us to one another. This work will only be complete in heaven, but there is much we can enjoy now. The New Testament offers hope that our relationships can be characterized by things like humility, gentleness, patience, edifying honesty, peace, forgiveness, compassion, and love. Isn't it wonderful that God's grace can make this possible even for sinners in a fallen world? This hope challenges our complacency and discouragement we might have about our relationships because there's always more growth, peace, and blessing that God's grace can bring even here on earth. The fact that our relationships work as well as they do is a sure sign of grace. As I've joked with you, who would want to hang out with me? I'm a sinner and I'm a plumber. I'm a sinner. But you, we love one another. We get to show respect to one another. Love. Relationship. We cause each other to grow. We can come along one another and say, you know, I don't know if you see this, but I see this. The way you said that, the way... Did you mean it that way? Are... are are you being an ambassador for Jesus doing it that way? We can provoke one another to growth, to become more like Jesus. Listen to this text in James 4 7. He says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, O you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. He will lift you up. God calls us to not being strong in, in, in ourselves, but to recognize our weakness and that brings us to our next point, the need. The need is grace. The gift was grace. The need is grace. Because when we see our, that list and we say before God, I can't do this. 
I am so unkind. It upsets me. I'm so unkind. I can't do this. I can't and don't represent you well, Lord. I'm so easily irritated. I'm so impatient. I'm so quick to be judgmental. I'm so proud of myself. Looking down on others. But do you see where this brings us? This brings us to the recognition we need grace. Because you see, if we don't recognize and we aren't recipients of grace, how can we give it? Again, look at what Jesus said about forgiving. Forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Do you realize how much you have been forgiven? Because if you seriously start to inventory and measure how much God has forgiven you, you will be more apt and ready, prepared to forgive others of the insignificant offenses really that they've done to you. Because the things you've done to God are huge, immeasurable in guilt. So whatever somebody has done to you is piddly, insignificant. But if you understand how huge you've, how much you've been forgiven, how huge your debt was, you'll be able to offer that forgiveness to others. No one can give grace better than someone convinced they need it themselves. Your assessment of weakness is not the problem because His strength is made perfect in weakness. But our delusion that we are strong, that's the problem. Because then we think we don't need grace. Thus, we don't give grace. We don't point Jesus, people to Jesus any longer. And that is our whole purpose for being here. That's our being an ambassador in our relationships, is pointing others to Jesus. When we see behavior that is sinful, that is marked, that is needy, do we deal with the behavior? We need to, that needs to be yelling at us that they need Jesus. So often we're quick to respond and in an unbiblical way to the behavior. We want to make this right. Change that person by yelling at them or beating you, whatever. We do messy things, don't we? And it just complicates it. It makes it messier. But we're here to point folks to Jesus, to tell them about God's grace that we have received, how we, how we have seen Him change us. It's testimony. I, come to, I give you this other statement. 
If your eyes ever see or your ears hear a sin, weakness or failure of someone near you, it is never a hassle, accident, or obstacle. Say it again. If your eyes ever see or your ears hear a sin, weakness, or failure of someone near you, it's never a hassle, accident, or obstacle. It is always grace. Always grace. God has given you an opportunity to point to Jesus. You can help that person by pointing them to Jesus. Their greatest need. Their greatest need. Because Jesus provides Love, forgiveness, rescue, and transformation. Only He can do that. And He does it by grace. All the burdens of our relationships with children, spouse, others, we give to a capable Savior. Law cannot do what only grace can accomplish. Right? We can't make enough rules. We, in fact, we can't follow the rules. That was the purpose of the law, to show us our, that we fall short. We've fallen short of the glory of God. But grace. God re- will reveal spiritual needs of others, but not on your schedule. Are you ready? Are you ready as an ambassador? It's so easy, isn't it? To We're doing our thing. Busy. I'm busy preaching, in fact, here this morning, right? And yet, God sometimes brings the us this knowledge and it interrupts us. And we can react in that interruption, can't we? We can become impatient. We can become judgmental. We can become quick. But remember, you're God's ambassador. It's never a hassle. It's never an interruption. Remember, we are constantly, consistently recipients of grace. If you have unsaved children, family, friends, trust them to Jesus. If you have struggles in relationships, trust them to Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, But since we belong to the day, Let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another, just as you are doing. Finally, we come to command, the command.
fly through this because I'm running out of time. But And I added another point in the bulletin after Kathy printed them up. <laughs> so if you want to add it, you can. If not, it's a repeat anyways. Forgive and love as Christ has forgiven and loved you. Forgive and love as Christ has forgiven and loved you. We're commanded to do that. We must have a heart that is willing to forgive others. Otherwise, we will be entrapped by bitterness. Don't take up an offense of wrongs done to someone else. Don't take up an offense. There's so many things you don't know. <laughs> right? We need to acknowledge that. I don't know what I don't know. And that's a lot. But God knows everything and we can entrust Him with this. So I'm going to choose not to get mad or not to get upset. In fact, I'm going to stop right now and pray and commit this situation, this person to the Lord. I'm going to trust Him because He knows all things. And He will do good. He will do whatever it takes to, to bring about His agenda and that is conforming Christ, you to Christ's image. We often jump to assumptions and judgment and condemnation. We are called to forgive. Forgiveness is costly to the wronged individual. It is, isn't it? It's costly. It means never bringing up the wrong again to anyone. It does not mean to forget, however. You don't choose to forget. Right? By God's grace, He sometimes after we've let it go, we sometimes do forget. And that's God's gift. <laughs> but we can't choose to forgive. Forgive and forget. That's we can't choose to do that. So I want to make that clear. It doesn't, to forgive someone doesn't mean that you'll forget. But don't, don't think that because you remember that you haven't forgiven. Be ready to forgive. Be ready to take that cost. But it, it is never, forgiveness is never ammunition. However, this forgiveness transaction cannot be made without confession and the wrongdoer asking for forgiveness. You must have a heart ready to forgive but the transaction full isn't complete unless the person asks to forgive. And that's why it's so important it's for us as believers to recognize that when we wrong someone, it's not okay to walk away in the grace of their heart of forgiveness. How does Christ forgive you? What does He say? 1 John 1.9 If you confess your sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, unbelievers, likely they're never going to come to you and ask for their forgiveness, right? They just did what came naturally. And they stomped on you and got away with it. But we must still have that heart for, of forgiveness. We must give it to Christ and say, God, you are judge 
You will do what is right and good. And we must leave it at his throne. God says that, the Bible says that God is making a footstool for Jesus Christ as king in, on his throne. He's making a footstool of his enemies. God will take revenge. But that's not your job. You must be, have a heart of forgiveness. We continually seek the person out for the purpose of restoration and grace. Not so we can look good. Not so we can be, oh, so full of mercy. I forgive you. Aren't you happy now? I gave you the greatest gift on earth. No. But to point them to Christ and His grace. Because I could never forgive you if He hadn't forgiven me. He forgave me of so much. And we're to love. This is the love of God. I've heard people use this as an excuse for sin. I was loving. I was, this was agape love on my behalf. No. Do, listen to what 1 John 1 says. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So our love doesn't encompass the love of the world. No, it's a giving love. As God gave of Himself for you to redeem you, that's how we, what, how we are called to love. It's huge. We can't do it. What do we need? Grace. I need to be receiving God's grace. I need to be allowing Him to transform me and pointing others to Him. I can't do it. So look to Jesus. Go to Him. Second command. Let the peace of Christ Rule in your hearts to which indeed you are called in one body and be thankful. So, so often we receive what we need from horizontal relationships. And we come up short. We get hurt. Right? People can't give me what I need. We replace the vertical relationship we need with God with this. Each of us is tempted to make relationships the end rather than the means. This vertical communion with God would provide the foundation for the horizontal community they were to, we were to have. God keeps us in messy relationships for His redemptive purpose. This fact reminds us that the very thing we would naturally seek to avoid is what God has chosen to use to make us more like Him. While we would like to avoid the, the mess and enjoy deep and intimate community, God says that it is in the very process of working through the mess that intimacy with Him is found. So God is pointing us through our messes to keep this relationship priority, keep our relationship with Him correct and, and proper. 
It is impossible to be in a situation, location, or relationship by yourself if you are God's child. And it is impossible that you are left to your own resources. You see, you are God's child. He is always with you. He is in you. And he has given you immeasurable resource. And then he says this amazing thing. Be thankful. Be thankful. Next, he says, let the peace. Oh, that was supposed to be up there. Sorry. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. What is the word of Christ? It's the gospel. It's what we've been talking about. It's the gospel. It's, it's how we are to be ambassadors in our relationships. Be pointing people to Christ. We need to know what the gospel is. We need to know it so we can share it. We need to know it so we know that we're experiencing it. It's not just, oh, I got saved and then one day I'll be in heaven. It's our life. It's how we view everything through the lens of the gospel. God is our Creator. And we are unholy. And yet, He came and purchased us with His blood so that we might receive forgiveness and be a new creation and be conformed to His image. What tremendous transforming news. The good news of the Gospel. And then He says, singing. Over in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19, he says, address one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. I found that very interesting. How are we to communicate with one another? How are we to relate to one another? How are we to build one another up? With the Word of God. In song. In so with the singing of the psalms that exalt our great God. In singing hymns and spiritual songs, but I jumped over a very important part, and that is teaching and admonishing. Who's called to teach and admonish? The elders? No! Just those who have gone to seminary or Bible college? No! All of us. All of us are called to teach and admonish the Word of God. All of us are called to be seen life through the lens of the Gospel, which is found in the Word of God. So, are you prepared? Get prepared. Study. Know the Word. So you can teach it. I tell you, when you teach it, you get to know it. It is so rich. It is such a joy to be up here sharing with you. I, 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 honestly, I'm terrified before I get up here. But I have learned such amazing truth that I get to tell you. It is so exciting. All that nervousness doesn't totally go away, but it, it's worth it. It's worth the pain. So when you are shy and say, oh, I could never do that. 
I could never teach a Sunday school class. I could never teach a group. Get over it. You're called to it. You're commanded to do it. In fact. But here he says again, with thankfulness. Isn't that awesome? With thankfulness. And then one more. Was that slide twice? Maybe it was. I don't know. With thankfulness, that's what it was. Okay. Now we're to do everything in the name of Christ. I put it this way so I could use that of Christ in the blanks, you know. So, the name of Christ in everything. We are called to do that. We are commanded in whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. The transformation of God will bring, God will bring through His grace. That's the everything. Do everything in His name. Are you? Could you say that your plans for this afternoon or what you did yesterday was done in the name of the Lord Jesus? We, we ought to be able to say so. Because that's our perspective now. We are ambassadors. We are representatives of Him. And everything we do, we ought to be able to do in His name. Would I lie in His name? No. Better not. Right? Would I gossip? Would I malign someone? Would I slander someone? Better not. Everything I do, Ought to be in His name. Giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Three times we've been commanded, give thanks, give thanks, give thanks. It's an attitude, isn't it? An attitude of gratitude that will change your heart. We're commanded in Ephesians, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. This is God's will for you, folks, that in everything you give thanks to Him. Not feel thankful. No, you don't have to feel happy about someone slamming their car door on your finger or slashing your tires or stealing your truck, breaking your windows out. No, you don't feel thankful. You give thanks. It's a command. You do it. You say, thank you, God. Because you know what I need. You know what that other person needs. If they needed those potato chips out of the back of my car worse than I did, God bless them. Can you say that? It happened to me. My car windows got bashed in and my Canadian potato chips were stolen. But I had to give thanks. Thank you, Lord. I get to drive 600 or 300 miles now home without a window. And if they needed those potato chips, Lord, would you bless them? What a change. 
What a transformation. Only wrought by God's grace. Only wrought by God's grace. Our response this morning, determined to know Jesus through His Word, determined to know what He's done for you. Remember what Jesus has given you so you can give to others in the same manner. Take an inventory. How great is your God? How much has He forgiven you? How much grace has He given you? Be prepared to give to others. We are our brother's keeper. We are our brother's keeper. When we see sin, we hear of sin. It's not an, it's not an obstacle. It's not a hassle. It's our opportunity to point them to Christ. It's an opportunity for grace. With an attitude of gratitude. Let's close. Heavenly Father, this message is so convicting. We, right off the bat, acknowledge we need grace. I need you, Lord. I need you to, be, to, to continue what you've begun in me. By not only giving me Jesus' righteousness in my account, but making my actions and my words and my reactions gospel-centered, gospel-focused, righteous, not sinful. Lord, would you do that through your power? Would you give us a greater hunger and thirst for your word? We pray this in your name.